What's going on everybody? We are back after admittedly a little bit of a hiatus. We had our own little mini bye week, which wasn't the plan, but it's just how it went. It's been a crazy uh, last few weeks, or last few days with just the news, the, you know, the signings and all that stuff. Uh, but we're back. Matt, we're here. We're at the NovaCare Complex. The Eagles are getting ready for the Dallas game. And I will say, even though it's been a break, a little bit of a break for us from the podcast, you can really feel the excitement in the locker room, I think, for this game on Sunday. Yeah, Elliot, this is, I think, honestly, their biggest game of the year, and it's a chance for them to make a statement. We'll get into kind of the first half of the season, what lays ahead on the schedule of the second half of the season. And I got to throw down the gauntlet right here. I think that the second half of the year for this football team, it almost feels like it's the march to the postseason. Mm-hmm. It feels like after the 8-1 and one start, they've given themselves some leeway. There are some really tough games ahead. I don't think Sunday night's one of them. I think this team has a chance to make a statement against the Cowboys and, and really begin that march towards the playoffs. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun down there in Dallas. Yeah, and I mean, not to sound cliche, but I really do think we're going to learn a lot about this team in three of the next four games. Yep. I mean, Dallas on the road, home versus Chicago, that should be a blowout win. Um, but then at Seattle, at L.A., I, I agree. And I think, you know, it, to let the cat out of the bag early, I think we both think they're going to beat the Cowboys. But... I mean, you know, this game on Sunday is going to be tough, and then you have the Seattle and LA one. So even though they're eight and one, even though I think the postseason's almost a lock at this point, look, the reality of the NFL is you could lose any week, and if they lose three of these, ne- three of these next four games, I don't think they will, but they're certainly possible losses. Uh, things will be really different. But before we get into, you know, all, all the news of the day and talking about the Cowboys, of course, it is Friday and it is Fan Friday, so we want to read a review. Um, thanks to everyone that's been leaving the reviews we've been getting some even though we haven't been doing podcasts which is nice yep. uh so we're up to 222 uh, my goal my next goal is 300 and i think that was 300 by la i forget what we said so we'll figure it back out but thanks to everyone that's been leaving them um matt you want to read one where so we're gonna read one from uh we're each gonna pick one yep. we liked Go yeah, ahead. i liked one from uh gorka park fan talk show too he said quote i changed my rating from four to five stars by the way, thank you for yeah. that. Uh, he says, after doing a benchmark listening of all Eagles shows on radio and podcasts, this one is for sure the front runner. It's well-informed contributors. My last input stays, though. I'd like more guests. That would be refreshing, especially if they were from out of town to provide new perspectives. Yeah, and let me, yeah, and let me, well, let me address it really yep. quick. Because on the last podcast, not the one with Joe, who, by the way, congrats to Joe. Yep. He's going to be doing full-time at 94WIP now on uh, 6 to 10. I do think he'll still be doing the podcast, but either way, definitely congrats to Joe on that. Um, Well-deserved. He's, he's a hard worker. Absolutely. He's just like all of us. And uh, fun story, I was actually co-workers with Joe Giglio back at 97.3 ESPN in Atlantic really? City. I did wow. sports updates. I covered the Eagles, filled in on hosting, and he was their uh, midday drive host. And it's just kind of neat to see the evolution of Joe Giglio go yeah. from from uh, part-time midday host at ESPN Radio in Atlantic City to working with us here at NJ.com to now going full-time at night. Congratulations to Joe Giglio. Congratulations to John Marks, who I worked with at The Fanatic. He moves to middays. So a lot of fun things happening around us, and a lot of people who have helped yeah. make this podcast special are doing some big things themselves. For sure, but... With the guests, I know we said that if you leave comments and if you left a comment um, with a guest you wanted, we would try to get that guy. I'm just going to be flat honest. We tried. (laughs) We tried to get Dawkins. Eagle said no. We tried to get Brian Westbrook. He just wasn't available. So it is what it is. We're sorry about that one. I feel bad that we said we would do something and we didn't do it. But 
I'm sorry, and it is what it is. So I apologize to the people that took time to go and leave a comment and that we didn't get that done. Yeah, and we'll get it done in the future, and there's a lot of football left to be played, mm-hmm. and the more five-star reviews that come pouring into the, the podcast, the easier it is for us to go to these guests and say, hey, here are our reviews, here's our rating, and the more amicable they are to coming on. So right. we tried, and there will be guests in the future for sure. So, so the review I liked, because I think it's a good segue into what I wanted to talk about at first. It says, best Eagles podcast, facts which is by Rotten Cheese Balls, all right? Um, I love the hot take episodes. Are Ellerby and Beattie starters or depth signings? Anyway, I love you guys. Keep them coming. So we'll just transition from the reviews now, and we'll start with those two questions. Yep. Um, are Ellerby and Beattie starters or depth signings? I'll to give my take first. Obviously, Will Beattie is not a starter for now. Um, I think Vitae is, is going to still start at left. Lane will start at right, and I think that's what they want to go for, and I think they would honestly – now that Jason Peters is hurt, they would like those to be the starters next year in week one. I think they would love if Vitae grew into the role of a full-time starter. I do think Will Beattie is the back, the top backup tackle now, though. Um, I don't think that's Samalu anymore. I think Sam, uh, I think it was Frank Reich said that, and Doug actually, said that he's been taking reps at both tackle and guard. Um, I think if Samalu, or I'm um, sorry, if Vitae or Lane were to go down, I think Will Beattie would step in. And that signing makes sense to me because he has some uh, Super Bowl experience. He's played in a bunch of games. The last thing this team wanted was to put Sayamalu or Taylor Hart, who they cut, but to put them out of tackle. So I think he's a depth signing you for know, sure. I agree. I think these are both backup depth type of signings. And Will Beattie's a little bit interesting because there were some other veterans who were available. There were some veterans on the free agent market that had experience playing under Jeff Stoutland. They decided to go the Will Beattie route. Right. And Beattie was one of the five veterans that I thought when the injury to Peters first took place could be somebody that would be intriguing to to them turns out they wind up signing him I agree with you I think that he is if not the primary backup he's the, the number two backup on this team remember they only carried eight offensive linemen coming out of camp and as of now with Vitae being elevated into a starter's role because of the Peters injury Samalu was the only player on this team that had tackle experience not starting at either left or right, right. at the moment with Lane and Vitae being your two starting tackles so BD gives you that kind of depth you, I know that they're still trying to work in Samalu Malu uh, as a tackle in practice, but this gives him the opportunity to focus on developing as an interior lineman. As you pointed out next year, in all likelihood, Halapulavidi Vitae will be the right tackle. Lane Johnson will move to left. And for the sake of this year, Beattie is kind of that emergency option should one of those guys go down over the second half of the season. They didn't pay a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And uh, similar, similarly bringing in Danelle Ellerby, I think he's now the primary backup to Joe Walker in the middle. Well, all right, so that's where I actually am on defense. So he says he's most comfortable on the outside linebacker. I think they're going to have him play middle linebacker. Yep. Um, obviously, in base defense, where they have a four, where they run a 4-3, you're going to have Bradham and, and Kendricks out there. Joe Walker has been the, the top middle linebacker there, and he's played well. I mean, you know, it's hard sometimes to completely break down the play of a middle linebacker, just to be honest for me, but... They are doing great against the run, which is primarily when he's in there. Um, They're number one in the league, and he's played a role in that. I think he's made some good plays against the run. The question will be whether – and so when they they take Walker off the field, Ellerby won't be on there either. It'll still be Kendricks or Bradham. But I'm not so sure that it's a guarantee that Ellerby isn't going to maybe overtake Joe Walker – at that for, at, at the starting middle linebacker spot when they're in base defense, just because Ellerby has more playing experience, um, I think he came. I mean, 
talking talking about his locker on Monday it was, Monday or Wednesday, uh, this guy's confident. And he's coming in here thinking that he's going to play. He's coming in here to prove people wrong. And even though he's obviously older than Joe Walker, he's been a really good player in this league for a while. Injury prone. Though. Injury That's prone. Yeah, it. but there's only seven games left in the season plus yep. the playoffs. So you're not counting on this guy for the next three years. I think I'm. I think Ellerby is going to end up seeing the field more than people think. Um, not a starter for now, but I think he has a way better shot of ending up being a starter than uh, Joe Walk. I mean, than uh, Will Beatty does. A better chance, sure, but I, I think that it's going to take a little bit of time for him to grasp Jim Schwartz's system. I, I think that the fact that they were an injury to Joe Walker away from Najee Good mm-hmm. playing starter caliber snaps precipitated them going out to sign Donnell Ellerby and bring him in here. I don't think they brought him in here to be a starter. I don't know if they even brought him in here to be a primary backup, but they were just so thin at linebacker after Jordan Hicks went down. I think this is a Band-Aid signing. I think this is another veteran with a Super Bowl ring on his finger coming in here for a stretch run where you look at the guys that they have brought in, and I have a story about the you know locker room atmosphere and the impact the veterans have had this season on this familial attitude. But you look at Garrett Blunt, Super Bowl winner. Chris yeah. Long, Super Bowl winner. Torrey Smith won a Super Bowl. Now Ellerby, uh, Will Beatty has played in Super Bowls. Malcolm Jenkins had a Super Bowl ring on his finger. With a team that is now in control of its own destiny for home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs, a team with legitimate not only Super Bowl aspirations, but a chance to play for the first Vince Lombardi trophy in franchise history, adding in one or two guys, more guys into this room that have that sort of experience, that only helps going down the stretch when you're going to play your toughest games of the season. Yeah, I agree. And even though Doug says this was only about just adding good players, um, I think that this shows that the Eagles know they have a chance to win it this year, and they're protecting themselves from what you said. I mean, they're thin at those positions to a certain degree. They're protecting themselves from should uh, Vitae go down from not having to put Samal out there, should Joe Walker go down, having to put Najee Good out there. So, but the move, so those are obviously moves for now. But the one more thing, the one thing I do want to talk about before we get into the Cowboys is the tip. Well, do you have something else to add well, on that? I was going to say on these two moves, I think that not that it's a segue into talking about the game, but I think that. These two teams are now becoming a bit of opposites of each other because mm-hmm. what we saw last week against Atlanta for the Cowboys, you saw Sean Lee go down, all-pro linebacker. They don't really have somebody of that caliber to step in. Tyron Smith gets hurt. They're all-pro left tackle. Chaz Wright, I believe his name is, or Chaz Green Chaz goes Green, in yeah. and gets benched because he's so ineffective. You look at the fact that Ezekiel Elliott goes down and they have Alfred Morris, who's kind of a pedestrian backup at this point. Those are why the reasons why the Cowboys are vulnerable, not only this week, but I think it could derail any chance at winning a wild card. Whereas you see the Eagles being proactive over the last two weeks. You make the trade for Jay Ajayi to bring in veteran depth, not only behind LeGarrette Blunt, but perhaps making him your starting running back as early as this week. Mm-hmm. You bring in Will Beatty to back up Lane Johnson, Halapulaviti Vitae, who just off the street is an equal to Chaz Green and maybe even an upgrade over what the Cowboys have. You bring in Eller and you look at the fact that Sean Lee is hurt. They don't have anybody capable to step in. The Eagles now have Joe Walker and Ellerby filling in behind Bradham and Kendricks in the nickel. And after Jordan Hicks gets hurt, kudos again to Howie Roseman for building yeah. a, a, a roster and a team that's deep at positions where they were previously weak. And you've seen guys step in and not really miss a beat. Vitae this offense hasn't really missed a beat in the absence of Jason Peters, whereas the Cowboys were derailed without Tyron Smith being And, I mean, you know, I think one thing I've heard from just reading Eagles Twitter this week and seeing them, 
Eagles fans debate with Cowboys fans. Cowboys fans point out, well, we're really hurt. Well, you know what? And before week one, if we would have said, who's the team started at running back? Darren Sproles. Who's the starting middle linebacker? Jordan Hicks. Who's the starting left tackle? Jason Peters. So the same three positions where the Cowboys are missing their starters, the Eagles are as well. So I, I your, your point was dead on. I just think, too, like we forget about Darren Sproles. Yep. But he was – I mean, he. I guess he proved not to be that big of a loss, but he was the starter. So, I mean, the Eagles uh, have rebounded, and that's it's a credit to Howie on that. Um, the one thing I want to talk about, though, is the Jernigan signing because we haven't had a chance to really talk about that Love on it. the podcast. I, I like it, too. I like it, too. Here's my only hesitation. Not even a hesitation, but I'll be interested to see what the cap number is for 2018 and how it impacts the team, the, the rest of the plans. I mean, I think we can both agree Jernigan's a great player. He's a guy you want to lock up. He was worth the money. They got him at a pretty good rate. And I think we all agree, agree with that. that going into the offseason, you and I would agree that re-signing Tim Jernigan was priority one. Probably, yeah. And now you check that off the list. And now mm-hmm. you can turn your attention to somebody like Alshon Jeffrey. You can turn your attention to going shopping for a veteran tackle. You can turn your attention now towards continuing to build the depth of the roster because now you've set the foundation of your defense being the defensive line and the two defensive tackle spots. And I think where Jernigan really earned this extension, Elliot, was what he did in the games where Fletcher Cox was hurt. That yeah. defensive line didn't skip a beat in terms of pressure. And when they were out there together, this has been the most dominant defensive tackle duo in the NFL. Agreed. Here's the two dominoes I think might fall from this signing. The first is what happens to Alshon, because the Eagles don't have, I mean, they're currently projected before the Jernigan signing to have around $12 million um, in cap space. Obviously, that number will grow. You'll cut guys like Brent Selleck, Torrey Smith. I mean, guys will go. Peters. Pete, well, maybe. I mean, Peters now leaves $5.5 million in dead money on the books, whereas before the contract extension, how he gave him, he would have been twelve. So I'm not so sure Peters is gone. And you listen to a guy like Jeff Stoutland last week when we got to talk about the yep. assistant coaches. Literally, I, I kid you not, literally was almost at tears at the at the talking about when he went down yep. with that injury. So I don't think cutting Peters is – I don't think they're going to cut him. Maybe he restructures. I don't know if but, he comes back. I don't know that he oh, – I think he'll want to – yeah, maybe. You're right. But I think for now, I think we can – say he'll probably be on the books to some degree. But I guess, so Alshon is a question mark, as you said. The next domino I think might fall is Brandon Graham. Because now you've paid big money to Vinnie Curry, big money to Fletcher Cox, big money to Timmy Jernigan. You invested a first-round pick in Derek Barnett. I know the Eagles like having depth on their defensive line, but Brandon Graham's a guy that I believe he already is 30, if not a little older than that. Um, He's a guy that wanted a deal last offseason. The Eagles didn't give it to him. This next offseason, he's going to want that deal again. Yep. I think he could, with the, the, him and the Eagles could be headed towards a contract dispute where Graham potentially holds out. And if I'm the Eagles, I, you know, as much as I like Brandon Graham, I think he's a, maybe the best defensive lineman on the team. And that's not a slight to anybody, Cox or, or Jernigan. I just think Brandon Graham's that good. It's a tough decision because you've already invested so much money in other positions. The money you gave Jernigan is money you could have given to Graham. Um, so I think that is the second domino that falls from this deal is now you've really invested in your defensive line a ton. Brandon Graham's going to want more money. What do you do? I think there's a chance Vinnie Curry's gone. I, I think there's a chance. I mean, you look at the cap numbers, you can save $6 million. He's played well, though. He's played well. But you saved $6 million down, by cutting Graham, too. If, if it comes down to Vinnie Curry versus Brandon Graham, I keep Brandon Graham because I think Brandon Graham is one of the most dominant edge rushers I, in the I, league. Yeah. You drafted Derek Barnett because you weren't thrilled with the progress you saw out of Vinnie Curry, and I think there's a very good chance that Chris Long is back next year because he's cheap. Mm-hmm. I think there's a very good chance your starting defensive ends next year are Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett. I Look, I think Derek Barnett's starting next year yep. for this team. It's just a matter of where. 
Um, Vinny Curry is a little younger. He's already under contract, whereas Brandon Graham, I, I don't know. I'm just not as sure. Look, I would keep Brandon Graham. I don't want anybody to be like, oh, he said they should cut Brandon Graham. I don't. I would not. I'm just saying, reading the writing on the wall, something's going to have to happen with Brandon Graham. They're either going to have to give him a new deal or he's going to be unhappy. And look, not to put a ton of emphasis in the locker room culture because – I said it would be a big deal when Jordan Matthews got traded, and I was proven wrong. So who knows how it'll who who, who knows how it'll play out? But Brandon Graham was voted a captain to this team. He's easily, if not Malcolm, besides Malcolm Jenkins, the most vocal player in the locker room in terms of meeting with the media. So he has an important role on this team. It'll be interesting to see now that they've paid Jern again, now that they've paid Cox, now that they've paid Curry. If you're Graham, you're saying where's where's my where's my new deal? And I think he was starting to say that a little bit last year. For I sure, think, yeah. And I think that you know. There might have been some buyer's remorse in terms of the the contract that he put. Well, he paper was coming on. off a not a great deal, and he was coming off playing outside yep. linebacker. Yep. So I think that now that and he's three, proven four. himself as a four three defensive end, and now that you've, as you said, you've you've mm-hmm. locked up Cox long term, you've locked off Jernigan long term. I think Brandon Graham is the next big contract to come, but I also think that they're you can only hand out so out many no, big I, contracts. I, I agree, but I don't think that you let somebody like Brandon Graham walk out the building, especially if it comes down to either Vinny Curry or Brandon Graham, especially when you drafted mm-hmm. Derek Barnett. I agree with you 100%. I'm just saying I think this is going to be something we do a podcast about this yep. offseason. There's going to oh, be contract well disputes. Yep. There's going to be what do they do with them. There's going to be rumors of trade. I, I think that this is a story that not, not enough people are talking but, about right. that's going to come – that was going to come either way, but now with the journey and signing – even more so, I think this is going to be an issue for but, the But Eagles. I think the bottom line is, regardless of what plays out at defensive end, that was going to happen anyway. Because I don't but I think even more so at, now. Well, I, I agree. But right. I don't think that the Tim Jernigan contract should be looked at as any way a negative because you might not be without Brandon Graham. No, I agree. If you're without yeah. Brandon Graham, it's because you couldn't come to terms on a deal with Brandon Graham. Jernigan, you bring him in here, and he's shown you that he's an elite run stuffer. He's shown you that he can generate pressure on the quarterback up the middle, whether Fletcher Cox is next to him or not. Mm-hmm. And I think that you've now form the foundation of having arguably the two best defensive tackles in terms of a tandem right. in the league. Well, and and I don't think there's any negative to bringing Jernigan back. No, no, no. I agree 100%. And honestly, if I had to pick between Jernigan and Graham, even though I think Graham's a better player at this point, I might pick Jernigan just because he's younger. Yep. And I agree. You, you put him with Fletcher Cox, you know the middle of your defensive line is set for years to come. And you have Derek Barnett to either back up, take over Brandon Graham's spot. So and it's like building a, a baseball team. You, you always want to be strong up the middle catcher, right. pitcher, shortstop, second base, center field. Eagles now have Jernigan and Cox. Jordan Hicks, when he's healthy, I think that you still need to be make drafting a middle linebacker a top priority in the draft in April. Mm-hmm. But you have Jordan Hicks, then you have two safeties and Rodney McLeod and Malcolm Jenkins, who again are as good as they come in terms of a duo of safeties back there, both in terms of coverage and what they do up near the line of scrimmage and run support. So it's pretty obvious, and not to mention Tim Jernigan, a Joe Douglas guy. Yep. Uh, you bring in LLB, another Joe Douglas guy. You're seeing the influence of Joe Douglas both in terms of building this team and as well as who they're committing to long term so from the defensive line that's a good segue into this Cowboys game defensive line you know last week the Falcons uh as you mentioned earlier on the Falcons are going to be without Tyron's uh Tyron Smith their tackle last year they give or they will likely be without him last year uh sorry last week they gave up I think it was eight sacks to the Falcons um 
So this is a big game for the defensive line. And I think instead of going position by position, we want to talk about reasons we think they're going to win and then some reasons we think they might lose. So I think we would both agree the top reason I think they're going to win is the Eagles' defensive line could be in for a really, really big game on Sunday night. No, I agree. I, I think that you look at both defensive end spots, I think they're going to feast, and I think that um, this Cowboys offensive line, while going into the year, you thought that it was maybe the best or second-best mm-hmm. offensive line in the league. It's just not on that level without Tyron Smith. And and Chaz Green isn't a, a, a worthy replacement for Tyron Smith. The Falcons exposed that last week. And let, let's be honest about this. Not having Ezekiel Elliott changes everything. Because if you're an offensive lineman, you don't have to hold your block as long. You right. don't have to do as much up front. Because you know that if you open up a little bit of a crease, Zeke is going to run through it. You don't have that same confidence with Alfred Morris. Dak Prescott doesn't have that same pocket presence when he's feeling the pressure off the edge. And we talked all year last year about the difference in Carson Wentz when he had Lane Johnson versus when he didn't. And he performed terrifically against the Carolina Panthers this year without Lane Johnson. But you saw last year the difference in not having your security blanket of an offensive tackle, what that does to a quarterback. And you saw Dak Prescott suffer through that for the first time on Sunday. I don't think that's going to be any different this week. And and the thing about their loss to the Falcons is you look at the run sheet and you stat sheet and you go, all right, well, they averaged 5.1 yards a rush. That's not that bad. But a lot of those came on one or two big carries. And, and a and, lot of it came off of Dak. Dak had yeah. to rush for 35 of their yards and a touchdown. And not not to diminish big runs because obviously, you know, they're, they're huge in games. But what you saw was Dak had to put up with a lot more third and longs than he was normally used to. And that's another reason I think the Eagles are going to win this game is Eagles run defense. I don't care if Ezekiel Elliott was back there. Obviously, if you're the Eagles, you'd prefer not to face him. But this run defense is Elite. I mean, they're the best run defense in the NFL. They're yep. giving up, I think, only 66 yards a game. People aren't even running on them. So this is a. I mean, I think no matter what, who was back there at running back, the the Eagles were going to be able to shut down the Cowboys. But now you look at it without Ezekiel Elliott, the Eagles' defensive line, in addition to getting pressure on on Prescott, is really going to be able to shut this run game down. I think, and that's going to put Prescott in a real in a really tough spot. No, I think so too. And I think that you can also look at um, the Eagles' offensive line, and mm-hmm. you know, we could talk all we want about the. Marcus Lawrence, I think he enters with 11 and a half sacks. This is just the latest pass rusher in a parade of pass rushers that lines up opposite Elaine Johnson. I mean, and you he, look shut, at Lane, he shut Lane them all down. Miller, yeah. He manhandled them all day, earned the game ball uh, from that game against the Broncos in his locker. You look at what he did, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. He won those matchups. It just seems like every time there's an elite pass rusher opposite Elaine Johnson, he's won those battles this year. And I think he's mm-hmm. taking great pride in winning those matchups against the top edge rushers in the league. This is going to be no different. And I think that the Eagles' offensive line is playing at a level right now that the Cowboys' offensive line has played at over the last couple of years. And, you know, even though the Eagles' Week 17 game against them last last year, you can't really take a lot from it. But their Week 8 game, I know that they did lose the game, but they were up 10 points with 10 minutes to go. I mean, they, in my opinion, dominated that game. Um, and they blew it. They just flat out blew it. But I think this year you're going to see an Eagles team that won – is better at winning close games. I mean, obviously you've seen that this season. But two, I really think they're going to have that loss on their mind. Um, and I think the Eagles are just a flat-out better team. But one area that I do think the Eagles have an advantage is actually I think their cornerbacks match up very nicely with the Eagle, with the Cowboys receivers. That's another reason I think they might win is that is that I think Rasul Douglas and Jalen Mills match up nicely with Des Bryant. It'll be interesting how much Ronald Darby plays. It seems like he's set for a full workload. Um, I think maybe they ease him in a little, but he's going to start. It looks like Rasul Douglas to the bench, which is kind of a shame because I think he matched up well with Des. 
We'll see I how think Darby Darby does. Will match up pretty well too because he, he's not going to get beaten over the top by Des. And we can look at Rasul's. I mean, he got look. He Devontae Parker beat him deep in preseason, and Terrell Pryor got behind him in Week One. I, I I'm not saying that. I'm not saying he's going to get beat up and down the field by Des. But I think Darby has. Look, Jalen Mills and Rasul Douglas have both played really well over the last 10 weeks. Uh, up and down a little bit, but for the most part, very well. Darby has something to prove to me, at least on Sunday night. I mean, he's barely barely played in the preseason. His first year in the defense. I, I think he could struggle on Sunday night, and it's not a reason to throw the red flag or to be worried or anything, but I just think it's just a tough spot for for him personally on Sunday night. Yeah, but I don't think, as you said, I don't think they're going to ease him in. From everything we've talked about yeah. and everything he's talked about, he's going to be the number one corner. And unless he feels like he needs a blow or he feels like his stamina isn't quite back up to snuff, having not played since week one, he said he's not afraid to tap out for a couple of plays. But I don't right. think this is going to be a Jay Ajayi situation where it's his first game in an Eagles uniform or in Darby's case his first game back, and you're only easing him in with a package of 15 or 20 plays. He's the corner. He's going right. to be out there. And he's, if not on an island, he's going to be matched up against Dez, maybe with some safety help over the top, which I think is going to be interesting to see how Jim Schwartz schemes because, yeah, they, they have some other wide receivers and some secondary options, but Dez Bryant is probably the best of the bunch. And, and you have Jason Witten, who's a Hall of Fame tight end, but the Eagles have done a really nice job outside of Travis Kelsey of defending mm-hmm. tight ends this year. So I, I think this is a favorable, favorable matchup, the Cowboys passing game against the Eagles. And I also think... I think Patrick Robinson matches up very nicely with Cole Beasley. Yep. Yep. Um, he's done really well this year against quicker, smaller slot receivers, which is, which is exactly what Cole Beasley is. Um, even though it it's not Ronald Darby's technically his first game in an Eagles uniform, it in some ways is. I mean, he barely played against the Redskins in week one. He played limited snaps in the preseason. It won't be the first time he puts the Eagles uniform on, but this could be, assuming he doesn't get hurt again, the first time we see what Ronald Darby for four quarters looks like in this defense. So that'll be very interesting. Um, my, I guess my next question to you is, any reasons you think they might lose this game? Is there, is there some issues you think the Fal- – the, not the Falcons, the, the Cowboys. Cowboys present? Yeah, yeah I, I don't think that the Cowboys necessarily present any real favorable matchups. The only way that – I think Dallas has a chance of winning this game as if the Eagles are just flat and rusty Uh coming off the bye week because I just look at this from top to bottom. The Eagles are the more talented team. I'm really excited to see the Dak Prescott versus Carson Wentz matchup um, because I think that that's going to be the modern-day Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning for a decade, and it's going to be twice a year, which is all kinds of fun. But I just don't think that this Cowboys team, particularly without Sean Lee, particularly without Ezekiel Elliott and without Tyron Smith, I just don't see the matchups that they win against this Eagles team. And I think that if the Eagles blow them out, which you wrote about earlier this week, mm-hmm. if they win this game and win it in decisive fashion, then not only does their magic number to clinch the division drop to just three, which means they have to win three more games to clinch the division, right. which is pretty incredible based on what we thought they'd be prior to the year, but it solidifies them as the team to beat in the NFC. And they're going to have a nice warm-up game against the Bears, but then you get into the the set of games that's going to define this schedule and define this season yeah. are at Seattle and at LA. You take care of business against the Cowboys. That's your season. It's a two game season to decide home field advantage. And I think that what the Eagles have done so far sets them up to be in a position where even a split puts them in the driver's seat and, to win home field. And I mean, look, there is a shot that they come out a little flat. If I remember correctly, they had a long time off between the Panthers and the Redskins, right? That was a Thursday night yep. to, to, to a Sun- Monday night. To a Monday night. So they had almost a mini by there. They came out a little flat against the Redskins that game, ended up blowing them out. Yep. Um, so maybe there's some concern about that. But look, I just think this team, and I'll say it every week. I say it every week on the preview pod. Each week, 
they passed the previous test. Whether it's playing on a tough road game against the Panthers, having to beat inferior opponents at home. Yep. They've never come up small this season. And the Cowboys are not the kind of opponent that makes me think that's going to change. Um, so, yeah, they could come out flat. I think they win pl- by, by 10-plus points. Um, you can define that as a blowout if you yeah. want. But I, I think uh, I think this is going to be a comfortable win for the Eagles. And I think when we do our post-game pot on Monday, we'll be talking about another dominant performance. So yeah, I think they win 37-17. to 17. I think they wow, win all right. there. And, and it's going to be an offensive fireworks display. And, again, you, you have a rest-up game for against the Bears next Sunday. And then it, it's on to the two games that will define your season. Because, look, the – Vikings are playing great football right now. They're seven and two. The Rams, they're playing Minnesota this week. They have a great defense in Jared Goff. They're seven and two. And then you have a Saints team that's seven and two with a Hall of Fame quarterback, a dominant defense, and a ground game that takes the pressure off of Breeze and helps the defense. Mm-hmm. So the Eagles are the best of the bunch right now, but I think that those three teams are worthy adversaries and they're gonna make a strong push for home field in the playoffs. So if the Eagles win this game, then you only have to split against Seattle and the Rams, in my opinion. Right. But if you don't, if you the, losing this game would be defined as a stumble. I don't think that we can say losing to Seattle or the Rams would be stumbling. Agreed. Yeah, I think I agree. that would just be them losing to a better team or losing in a difficult spot. You lose against the Cowboys, that's a second-half stumble. But I don't think they do it. I think they win big. And I also think it says something that we don't view this as a tough spot because you are going into Dallas on Sunday Night Football. Yep. So, I mean, that is, you know, I agree they shouldn't lose the game. It would be a stumble. But it's not like they're playing – that the Browns at home. So I do think there is some challenges to it. But I agree. I think we're both going to win. You said, what, 30, 30 to 17? 17. All right, I'm going to go 30 to – I'm going to go 30, 14. Okay. I, yeah, so I have 10 plus. 37 would be a lot of points. But they just scored 51. So, I mean, you know, they certainly capable of it. Um, as always, please, if you've listened this far, we'd appreciate if you'd go and leave us a review. We, we love the five-star reviews. We love the uh, comments. As you heard at the beginning, we read them every Friday. Uh, you can check us out in all the different – podcast app itunes stitcher radio google play spreaker we're everywhere so we appreciate everyone that's been listening once again we're sorry about the guests but we're going to try to get them on for sure um matt i will talk to you in dallas on sunday see you in dallas